Namaste, it's Sahara Rose, and welcome back to the Highest Self Podcast, a place where we discuss what makes you your soul's highest involvement. I had the best time jamming all about business with my girl, Angie Lee, which you're about to hear on this episode. We talk all about marketing. She is a marketing maven. We speak a lot about especially marketing with Instagram and in the health coaching wellness type world and how owning your story is essential. And this is a big part of the work I do in my Doshas and Dharma program, but our story is what makes us unique. Like a lot of people tell me, I don't really know. It's a saturated market. There's a lot of people doing what I want to do, but there's no one else out there that has your story. So in this episode, we talk all about that. I'm going to give you a few more details after the sponsor, but if you love business, stay tuned. So this episode is brought to you by Splendid Spoon. Splendid Spoon is perfect for all y'all business ladies and men out there. It is an Ayurvedic-based, plant-based food delivery service that delivers food nationally. Yes, nationally. Every state in continental US. And their foods are very warming on the digestive system. They have kitchery and different blended soups and low glycemic smoothies. So it's a really good option if you want to eat healthy, you want to eat Ayurvedic-based, but you don't have time to cook at home or you don't even know how the foods are supposed to taste. So it gives you a really good introductory insight and something you can keep doing if you work at an office or you're between meetings all the time. I love it so much. So you can try it on splendidspoon.com forward slash Sahara and you will receive $25 off your first order. I also interviewed the founder, Nicole. So check that out. We talk all about how to stay healthy while busy and as a single mom herself, she learned all about this with her own launching a business while trying to maintain a healthy dietary lifestyle. And I think it's something that all of us wellness entrepreneurs struggle with. So be sure to check out splendidspoon.com slash Sahara. I also want to add, if you are interested in becoming a certified holistic health coach or Ayurvedic practitioner, I am offering two very special discounts and bonus packages for both programs. The first is a $1,500 off discount for Institute for Integrative Nutrition, IIN, at Nutrition School, which is where I personally went. You become a certified holistic health coach. You spend six months learning about hundreds of different nutritional theories and the next six months learning about the business side of health coaching. So if you're inspired listening to this podcast and you know you want to get involved, head over to my website, IamSaharaRose.com. You'll see it says, become a health coach. Click on that link. Just mention you were referred by Sahara Rose and they will give you the $1,500 off discount. Plus I am doing an interactive private business coaching mastermind where you will be able to ask me your business questions on the air live and I will be answering them with you. And I will have a private Facebook group. And this Facebook group is where you can connect with other members of the Highest Self Podcast tribe who are in IIN at the same time as you. You can get to know each other and also ask me questions anytime throughout the program. The other is if you want to become a certified Ayurvedic practitioner. Most amazing 
online Ayurveda school. It's called Joyful Belly. I've interviewed the founder, John Immel, on the podcast, having him again soon. And they are offering $1,000 off their one or two year Ayurvedic practitioner programs. So again, they're totally online, but really hands-on. The two-year program even has a clinic program, which you're able to do on the phone online. They'll help place you with internships also. So if you want to check that out, again, head to my website, IamSaharaRose.com. It says become an Ayurvedic practitioner and you will be able to learn all about that. Click on that link, say Sahara referred you. And I'm also doing a separate business coaching webinar on how to become an Ayurvedic practitioner and how to explain Ayurveda to people who are not familiar with it and how to, you know, set your business apart and how to integrate different things. Like I've thought of ideas for people to be Ayurvedic doulas and Ayurvedic elderly home runners. I don't even know what that's called, but you know, incorporating Ayurveda, not just as a one-on-one practitioner, but in anything in essential oils and teas and supplements, whatever it is. So having a background in Ayurveda just opens the doors to so many things. And I'm telling you guys, Ayurveda is the next yoga because I mean, they are sister sciences. So I am seeing a massive boom just in the seven years that I've been practicing Ayurveda, but it's just going to skyrocket from here. So now is the perfect time to get in the door. Be sure to also listen to the episode I did about two weeks ago. It was called Why the World Needs More Wellness Warriors. And I talk a lot about if you're kind of hesitant on, you know, I don't know, it's already so saturated. There's so many health coaches out there. There's already people doing Ayurveda out there. This episode is why it is so needed for you to go out there and share your wisdom and shine your voice and be heard because the world needs healing. So in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about the business side, but please, if it is calling you, come join us, become a health coach, become an Ayurveda practitioner. The world needs your help and it's going to open up doors for you, making you an entrepreneur that is helping and healing others. So this episode is for you. If you want to get your coaching, your brand, or your service out there, we really dive deep into the macro and the micro stories, as Angie likes to call them, our big picture stories and our little stories, and how to increase our Instagram engagement through storytelling, how to keep on retelling the same stories without boring people, but how important it is because new people are following us and unfollowing us every single single day. And sometimes we assume that everyone just knows our story, but a lot of people who are following you just started following you like yesterday and have no idea who you are. So we talk a lot about that how to shift from one-on-one to group coaching, if that's something you want to do, different group coaching methods, how to create your own live event, and when that may be the best phase in your business. And best of all, Angie is leading her Pays to be Brave Summit this October 20th to 21st, where I will be speaking live about Ayurveda and entrepreneurship, comparing Vata, Pitta, and Kapha to the stages of the business development process and how some of us are naturally more inclined to go to the vata, the more brainstorming phase, the more pitta, the execution phase, or the kapha, the reevaluation phase, and how to take that next step in your business. So you can check out my interview on Angie Lee's podcast and get a kind of glimpse on that and be sure to come to the Pays to Be Brave Summit in San Diego this October 20th and 21st. You can use the code Sahara for a discount, and I'm so excited to meet you there. So without further ado, let's learn how to master marketing and owning our story with Angie Lee. 
Namaste. Welcome, Angie, to the Highest Self Podcast. It's so great to have you here. Namaste. So the first question that I would love to ask you is what makes you your highest self? Ooh, what makes me my highest self? I would say play. I would say when I'm feeling super joyful, I think my gift and my purpose here is to bring joy. And so that makes me feel like I'm living at my highest capacity and I'm being truly who Angie really is in its highest form is when I'm playing. Because then I play infuses my creativity and infuses my giving, my passion. Everything's pretty much rooted from joy and play. I love that. You totally work hard and play hard. (laughs) So... I've already introduced you to the guests, but can you tell us a little bit about your business and what you do for entrepreneurs? Yeah. So I own, I own an online school that essentially walks wellness professionals through the process of monetizing, promoting themselves, building their social media platform, essentially everything they need to know about marketing and sales as an online health and wellness coach. So my background is in health and fitness and I started a blog in college and my intent with the blog obviously was just to have some of my MySpace friends read it. There was no business intent at all. I was bored on campus. I didn't go to class. So (laughs) we'll get into that soon. And uh, I had a very fiery, independent spirit. And I was studying health and wellness, studying nutrition, studying personal training. I got obsessed with health and fitness. So I started blogging to people and I literally would post on my MySpace and say, everyone check out this recipe today or check out this workout. And it started to grow. Like anything that you don't intentionally want to grow, but you put passion in, it kind of explodes. And over time, I realized that this could be something that I actually monetize. So at about 21, 22 years old, I decided to actually leave college early. I was in a dietetics program that I worked really, really hard to get into, but my soul was not there. It was not aligned. It did not want to be there. And I got this huge calling to leave and to pursue my online business even more and give it the time and the passion that it deserved. And I would be answering to my clients and I'd be promoting my eBooks and selling stuff while I was in class, which you're is- You're literally me. I have the exact same story, but keep going. <laughs> and I remember being in chemistry classes and I would literally be like on MySpace or on Facebook responding to people saying, yeah, here's the link or here's this or hey, responding back to everyone because I'm so big on community building. And I was in a chemistry class uh, taking a test, literally it was supposed to be, in, and I'd be under the table, like working the business. And that's when I knew. And I went into my counselor one day and I said, I don't deserve to be here. My grades weren't obviously A pluses like every other girl in chemistry. And my soul felt like I was in jail. It felt like it was trapped. And for women right now listening who've been in that situation, you just know, you know when you're not supposed to be somewhere and you know when you are supposed to be somewhere. And I left and I cried happy tears and the business blew up. And it's kind of transitioned from there of online health and wellness coaching doing personal training, nutrition, counseling. And then what happened is women started to email me after a few years of that and say, how did you market yourself? How did you get sponsorships? How did you turn this into a full-time business? And I realized that that was actually a business in itself too. So it organically now has transitioned into the business side and the marketing side, which is really cool. And I didn't intend for that either, but I keep just choosing the next thing that feels good and feels aligned. And that's been my story from dropping out of college to now owning a million dollar business online that I never thought I'd be here. <laughs> I love That's that. That's my cliff notes. <laughs> I, I can so relate. Sorry, I mom also, and dad. <laughs> <laughs> but totally. I mean, I also started when I was in college nice, and was like yeah. not paying attention in class and like blogging all the time and commenting on all the bloggers and Pinterest. That was yeah. like my big thing to get it out there. So I like so understand That's the hustle. So 
And I really do think it's like entrepreneurship is something that kind of chooses you and you have Ooh. just no choice. Ooh, and it chooses that, you. I love yeah, that. And if that gene is inside of you, it's like you can try to fit into a box, yeah. but it's always going to feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. And a lot of people say to me, didn't you feel nervous that day? And my response to that is, no, I felt more, I felt more clarity in that moment than I probably have in my entire life, that this was the right thing to do. And I remember she said to me, okay, if you want to resign, you have to fill out all this paperwork. I'll give you 48 hours. Do you want to sit and sleep on this and decide you just worked so hard to get into this dietetics program? What are you going to do if you don't have this dietetics degree? And she basically was giving me a little bit of scarcity because she's a counselor and that's what they're supposed to do is to keep you in school. And I grabbed the pen and I signed it and I walked out. I said, I don't need 48 hours to make this decision. I'm not supposed to be here. There is another woman who should take this spot. They only accepted 30 girls. And I'm super grateful to know that there's a beautiful girl out there who took that spot and wants to be a dietitian and wants to do that. But that's not what I'm here to do. I'm not here to work in a hospital 40 hours a week and make 40K a year. Right. Sorry, work 60 hours a week and make 40K probably. That would be the reality of it. And I've always known that's not what I'm supposed to do. And I think the most beautiful thing we can do, and I, I was listening to your confidence episode, is to be just truly us. Totally. And that's all we're here to do. Exactly. And I think for so many of us, like we are so told that you need to have that degree to be taken seriously. And I have so many people, even on my own programs, like, oh, I love to teach about health and wellness, but I don't have my master's in it, or I don't have my doctorate or this or that. And it's like always, you know, then they get that degree. And then they're like, now I need this business certificate. Now I need this. And it's like, you literally don't need anything. You just need to trust yourself, which you can't study for. Yep. After coaching hundreds, and hundreds of wellness coaches. Now I've owned this online company for a few years and they've all gone through my school. I will tell you that my girls who have been the most successful financially are not my girls who came in as registered dietitians and as naturopathic doctors. And I have NDs who come in and I have nutritionists who come in and they are actually the type A ones who freak out. They take all the notes, they show up to the calls, but they have imposter syndrome still. And I'm like, you spent a hundred thousand dollars in school, if not more. There's girls on this call who are just passionate about health and wellness, but they're sharing their story. They're making money. And then we have these naturopathic doctors in my course who sometimes don't do as well because they still don't think they're enough. So when does it really end? And that's just to give you guys some inspiration there that I have girls who are what you would consider super, super ready and have all the credentials, yet that doesn't guarantee that they are going to make money on social media or that their audience is all of a sudden going to trust them. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter sometimes. Totally. (laughs) And yeah, it it all comes down to this. So what do you think is that thing that like lets people trust themselves? Like, have you noticed any like similarities or breaking points? Yeah. I've noticed that it's a little bit of validation. Of course, they want to see from others that what they're doing is helpful and will actually help people. So I love to help my students get their first testimonial or to get their first real client who loves them so they can understand that if one person sees your value, then hundreds and hundreds can see your value. And I noticed that a lot, a lot of my students come in, that's the big theme right now in my, in my coaching is this imposter syndrome. They're all really nervous to put themselves out there. They're very nervous to share their story. They think, who am I to do this? Who am I to be teaching health and wellness? I'm not Oprah. I'm not Jillian Michaels. I'm not Deepak. (laughs) Like, who am I to do this? And I joke and I say that just because you don't have those credentials doesn't mean that that's, it's not in your heart to do this or it's not meant to be. So I've noticed for a lot of people it is, it's that first testimonial. It's doing things maybe pro bono to start just to get that experience because that experience builds confidence. And then from that, you can lead from a voice that's a little bit more confident. 
Totally. And I think the pro bono stuff is so important because people sometimes they're like, how can I monetize this? It's like, I say, spend, if you're blogging, spend a good two years just putting into content and building that following before you even thinking about that. If you're just creating a blog or a podcast or whatever for the purpose of monetization, it's never going to be successful because you don't, you don't do this to make money. You do this to, because you care and because you want to share your message and that can be monetized. But the reason why it's monetized is just so you can keep on sharing the message. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. It is, it is ironic and funny when you listen to a lot of successful people's stories, they always start with, well, I wasn't meaning to, but of course, and that's how I know that women will be successful when they say that to me. I had a woman the other day on one of my live videos, jump on and say, Hey, I just started a podcast on Tuesday. How do I make money doing it? And I just, I went off. I said, listen, I don't know where it came from. I got a download and I felt like this is what I needed to tell her as her tough love teacher. I said, you cannot go into a podcast thinking about that. You just started it two days ago. What do you mean? How do you make money doing it? You'll figure it out when the time comes, but go into it now with how can I bring so much value, so much passion? How can I make this the most amazing show? And then you'll make money. And that was my intent. And I'm sure you as well. We both have big shows. I went into it because I'm obsessed with podcasting. I love it. This is my favorite thing to do in the world. And as a byproduct now, we bring in sponsors and we monetize it. But that was never my intent. <laughs> it wasn't like, how can I make dollars? I just started it yesterday. I think that's such a scary situation to be in. I'd rather have people stay at their full-time job, do this as a side hustle, yes. have that comfort and lead with a really abundant, clear, just a, a pure passion for it versus I need money. I'm recording this episode so I can make money. People can hear that. For sure. It's not good. <laughs> so, so true. And I remember like the first 50 episodes, I just edited myself because I couldn't pay for an editor. Didn't I was actually really afraid of getting sponsors because I felt like people won't listen to yeah. me if I have sponsors. So it was like this like weird, <laughs> but then you find obviously sponsors yeah. and now people love, you know, using Four Sigmatic and Uveda and my sponsors because it's so in alignment. Yeah. But obviously I didn't even know these companies existed before the sponsorship. So yeah. I think that's really important. So start pro bono. Let's say you're building the following what do you think is the next step for monetization? Yeah, a hundred percent. It's sharing your story. I believe that the greatest storytellers are the best sellers, which means most of you ladies listening or gentlemen, are there gentlemen who listen? You have a lot of men who There's listen? There's about 20%. <laughs> Dudes listening. You'll notice a lot of influencers who are doing well. What they really, really mastered is their story. And you'll notice me and Sahara do this. I'm constantly telling you my story. Who am I? Why do I do what I do? Who am I? Why do I do what I do? And how does that help you? And a lot of this is Donald Miller's work, which is essentially making your customer the hero. I'm the guide in their journey. And I'm saying to them, Hey, if this is what I could do, you could do it too. I went from point A to point B. I went from college dropout, hundred K in debt to now a successful business. So can you, so I'm the guide. The customer is the hero. They can see themselves doing it. And I actually studied, I studied that formula extensively uh, storytelling. And I teach that to my clients now in my academy. I say, listen, guys, you think you came in here to learn how to close sales calls, but the number one way to close a sale is to build trust. And the number one way to build trust is for people to feel like you're their best friend who just has a solution to a problem they have. So we really identify what is the problem, what's your story, and then how do we marry your story with the solution? So I actually walk them through that in my course of story, solution, how do they marry together? And we just repeat that over and over and it may be really unsexy, but that's marketing. (laughs) Here's my story, here's my solution. Here's my story, here's my solution. And that repetitiveness and that consistency is what builds that trust with the audience. Have you read It Starts With Why? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. And I mean, I'm just listening to an audiobook right now, but it's just so true. And I'm just thinking about when I go on a blogger's website, the first 
first thing I go on is about. You do. I, I want to know yeah. her story. And I yeah. think everyone's kind of yeah, like that. I think like I, I just see on my own website about is like the first thing that, and before I had like the list, like, you know, the highlights. And now I have my freaking life story on there. And you don't know how many people are like, I literally spent like two hours last night reading your life story, but I, I just couldn't stop. And it was really interesting wow. because then they really understand why you're doing it yeah. versus so many people. And it's oftentimes the doctors and naturopaths and chiropractors with so much great wisdom, they feel like they need to separate themselves from the story in order to remain professional, mm. not understanding that that's creating a divide between you and the customer saying, I've done all this research and studies, but I'm not a human like you and you have the problems and not me. Yeah. Whereas if you're like, listen, my I didn't have my period for years. I had digestive issues. I almost died. Like whatever your story yeah. is, they're like, oh my God, I didn't have my period. I almost died. Like it's I empathy. can relate to you. It's empathy. Empathy is everything. I say this to my women all the time. I say to them, if you can master empathy and storytelling, you will have a multi-million dollar business. The brands that are successful right now have mastered empathy and storytelling. Nike, Lululemon, any company that you love, they've mastered empathy and storytelling. And that is why I even tell the health coaches, a woman online may actually work with Susie Smith from Idaho who had acne and now teaches women how to clear their skin versus her local dermatologist because he doesn't understand her pain. She doesn't know what she's going through. Maybe he doesn't get it. And that, you know, we're in a stage, I feel like we're in this moment in time where people want that. They really crave that human connection and they crave people understanding their pain. So yeah, it really is the game of who can be the most vulnerable online, who can be, who can be the most truthful, who can share their story and who's mastered empathy. It's everything. So I'd love to know, how do you choose the right story? Yeah. Because in our lives, we have so many stories. I could tell you a million different stories and I all sound like a different person. Yeah. How do you choose that story, the right amount of time, yeah. the right hook to get you where the customer needs to go? Yeah, that's a great question. I tell my women to choose three to four brand stories. So pick the three to four that you're going to rotate. And those four actually have, they're your macro stories and they actually have a connective point to them that actually relates back to your niche. So let's say I teach women on thyroid health. Well, those four big main stories are somehow going to connect back to my focus or my niche of, I help women heal their thyroid naturally because I could tell you that maybe I had a divorce or these other things and that's great and all, but in the beginning of brand building, what does that story have to do with your customer? There's subconsciously saying at all times, what does this have to do with me? Your customer is always saying that. And any good marketer knows that they're ready for that answer. They're ready for, hey, this is what it has to do with you. So you have those four brand macro stories that you can rotate every few weeks, even while you're still building that initial audience. And then you have micro stories, which is throughout your week. Where can you, you give can... an example of like macro versus micro stories? Yeah. Also? So a macro story would be for me. And one of my macro stories is that I was $100,000 in debt. And that connects a lot to my audience because I, I attract a lot of women who are in a lot of school debt and they are in that same situation. One of my micro stories might be something funny that happened today that maybe you and I discussed and I'm, I'm like, Ooh, that would be a good podcast episode, or that would be a funny post to share with people. But it's not the bigger picture brand story. It's not the one that when a woman tells her friend, Hey, have you heard of Angie Lee? No. Who is that? Oh, remember she was that girl who was a hundred thousand dollars in debt, health blogger turned business coach there. Those are like the foundational big, big stories of my brand. And so I know all of us have them. I think a lot of us don't think that our story is interesting, but as humans, we don't realize that our story is what changes lives and is more interesting than we think it is. So I, 
I would say to first identify what are the the few main big, big stories, even if it's just one or two to start. And then throughout your week as a creator and as a content creator, you're going to have those little mini ones. Like, oh, my kid says something funny. And then how does that apply to your audience? So that's macro versus micro. And what I've also found is some people feel like, well, I didn't have a big health problem like you. I don't have a big story like that. I'm just interested in wellness. So what could my story be? Yeah, that's a good question. I've been getting that question a lot now. I think that you could still pull in stories of your life, maybe if they are not, you know, stories don't have to be sad to be powerful. Obviously, most of the time that is the most powerful emotion is, is a pain point you are in. But I think you can come from a place of empowerment too. Your stories can be positive. They can be something that maybe you didn't have to endure because you were healthy or you were ahead of the game. It's interesting. There's women right now who are doing extremely well, who do have these really crazy drastic transformations. And then there's ones who they're more of the research expert and they just bring so much value that they don't have to come from that place of, oh, I had this crazy transformation. And then some people don't even realize it. I get on calls with my girls and they say, oh, I don't have a huge story. And then I found out she does. She lost a hundred pounds. And I'm like, when were you going to tell me that? She's like, oh, I don't know. I didn't think that was a big deal. I'm like, that's a huge deal. Totally. I think we all have stories. It's just a matter of becoming aware of them and, and pulling them out. Yep. Yep. And then a lot of people I've found also, they don't know how to tell their stories. Mm. And once they start, like on my Doshan Dharma program, I have them tell their stories. And some of them, they're, I'm like, I limit it to five minutes. Because if you're going more than five minutes, you're losing people's attention. And it's really hard for them. Yeah. So how do you recommend telling that story so it's a hook? It's like cliff notes. Yeah. So I actually have a formula that I walk them through and it starts with the juicy hook, the pain point, essentially, the thing that they're really dealing with. So this could be hey, are you really struggling to heal your thyroid? Or hey, do you know what it's like to feel this way or feel this way? Whatever the pain points are. So we start with a juicy hook to get them in. And then we bring in a resonating point. So basically asking them, do you connect to this? Maybe you can sprinkle in something that happened to you. So I like to outline it. And I actually teach them how to do this for Instagram posts where the start is the juicy hook. Then it goes to the resonation point. Then it goes to the body of the story. And then it ends with some sort of CTA. So I have them walk through that same and CTA cycle. CTA means call to action. Yeah, guys. call to action. Yeah. <laughs> so I have them walk through essentially this formula. I've called it the sandwich. And my friend Amanda, I know, calls it the sandwich where we teach them, hey, okay, this is the main part of the body of the story. But before that, we have to hook them in with something, something intriguing, like a a statistic or a quote or the moment that shit went down for you. So maybe this is the phone call or that conversation you had that changed everything for you. Start your post with the juiciest climax of the story. And then you go and see the little itty bitty gritty details of it. And then you have a resonation point where you ask the question, have you ever felt this way? Have you ever dealt with this? And then you close it out with a CTA. It's similar to a movie, your favorite movie you watch. You'll probably notice that it starts with something really juicy and you have no idea what's going on. And you're like, where are they going? It's the car race or someone just died. And then they go into the actual plot of the story. So it's very similar to movie telling. Absolutely. And how often do you recommend people tell their story on Instagram? Because sometimes I'm like, everyone knows my story. They're following me, but you get new followers every day. You get new followers every day. I like to rotate the the brand stories at least twice a month. I that's just a basic basic formula, but I tell my women to keep rotating two of those brand stories every few weeks. So at least two a month or wow. three a month. Because if you think about it, if you are getting new people and they have no idea and you're in your own head. So of course, you know your story because you you are the story and you say it all the time. But people following you may not know that story and they may not realize that that is who you are, what you've done. I still have women today that will say, oh my God, I didn't know that about you. And I'm I'm thinking I've shared that 50 million times or my regulars, my women who've been with me, my OGs, I'll call them. They love hearing the story again because it's 
like a child reading their favorite book. They're like, oh, this is great. I know how this is going to end. <laughs> right. And I feel like, you know, if you're afraid that they're going to unfollow you for telling your story, like they're probably never going to be your client. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> if they're like, oh God, her story again, unfollow. Like, her they, story sucks. Yeah. Yeah. You want that polarity. I always talk about that with my women as well as uh, you want that polarity. You want people to unfollow you who do not get you and do not yes. like you. It's really, really good. Yes. So can you talk more about that? Because yeah. I feel like, and this is something that I've majorly done this year of like trying to please everyone and be like vanilla versus like, I'm just so freaking myself. And if you don't like it, bye. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And even I was telling you, listening to your podcast, it's so cool because you are polarizing yourself by swearing, being spicy. You're adding some pitta to your, to your stuff. (laughs) Yeah, you guys, I know it. (laughs) And, um, that's good. That's good because I like that. And another girl might not like that though. And that's okay. Cause maybe she's not your girl. And then you don't have to hold back on your episodes because you get to be a hundred percent you. So essentially in marketing, what being polarizing is, is when you take a stance, you pick a side of the fence, you're not wishy-washy. You're not trying to please everyone. And as a result, you end up monetizing more and you end up building a really loyal tribe because the ones who get you love you. And then the ones who don't, don't. And I rather have 10,000 people be obsessed with me than a hundred thousand kind of like me or, oh, her stuff's cool. It's okay. It's cute. I always call it being vanilla. And I, that's like my biggest fear in life is being vanilla. (laughs) I just don't want to be another vanilla life coach or business coach because there's, there is a lot of that out there. And I realized when I went to the, went into this market, I realized there was a lot of the same stuff, a lot of monotony, the same message, the same looking girl, the same photo shoot. And I said, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to play that game. And I think that's been a large part of my success is women say, when I listen to you, it's it's like listening to nobody else. And that is coming from that place of confidence of I'm just going to be me and I'm just going to be weird or I'm going to swear. I'm going to do things that will turn people off. And hey, it is what it is. But as a result, it, it builds a loyal tribe. Totally. I was just talking to my boyfriend about this like yesterday because he works in the music industry and I'm realizing like branding is such a love it or hate it thing. And the more you can be love it or hate it, actually, the bigger your brand is going to grow because the people who hate it actually like think of Kim Kardashian. It's like there are more people who hate her, but they are the ones who are talking about her all the time. (laughs) And still buying her lipstick. Right. Not saying (laughs) anyone listening to this podcast wants to be Kim Kardashian, (laughs) but like just be so authentically yourself that it pisses people off. It makes people scared. It makes people feel uncomfortable because then you're getting somewhere. Yeah. A hundred percent. It makes you more interesting. And I can't imagine life not living authentically and just being who I am. It's way too much energy to be anyone else. So if we play it safe, because God forbid someone comments that they don't like something, then what are we really doing? We're just living a life for someone else. And I think that's really sad. I think the greatest thing about owning a personal brand is you get to be you and you get to be paid to be you. And I'll never take that for granted. And the day that I wake up and I can't be Angie, then I don't want to do this anymore because then I'm just, I'm being an actress and that's not what owning a personal brand really is. Exactly. (laughs) And that's also like the difference between like the celebrity and the influencer. And I think this is a really big divide we're going through right now, which is like the celebrity is the like Selena Gomez and Gwyneth Paltrow. And they are like, you know, oh my you, God, I saw her in yoga class yesterday. Selena or Gwyneth? Gwyneth. Oh. She did yoga next to me. Amazing. I know. Yeah. So random. You just said her name. I'm yeah. like, oh, hey, what's going on? That's LA. But it's anyways, LA. these are people that like, we don't really know what they do on their daily lives. Like now we just found out that she does yoga, but like, we don't really know. She doesn't, she doesn't do blog posts like, guys, this is what happened to me today. Yeah. Like celebrities don't do that. It's very much like their comments are like one word. It's like at the gym and yeah. that's it. Whereas the influencer, the only reason that you care is because they've told you so much of their story. Yeah. It's like they 
don't have a famous song out or a movie. They're just themselves. And that's what the brand is. And I feel like, you know, so many people are striving to be celebrities. We'll just be an influencer because all you have to do is share your story. Yeah. A hundred percent, hundred percent. I just, I can't imagine faking it. I know even sometimes I get nervous to be more polarizing, but I know it's the only way to make this enjoyable and I'm in this for the long run and I'm in this to be myself and to be paid to be me. And I think that this comes with a lot of bravery and confidence that you have to just learn to harness and manifest because it's hard. I mean, you know, building an audience, you get crap. Of course you do. You could be doing both of the things we're doing are to help people and to spread light and love and bring people abundance. And yet there's people who still won't love it, but it's okay because I'm not here to make everyone love it. I'm here just to make a few really, really love it. (laughs) Exactly. So I'd love to talk more about the transition from one-on-one coaching to group coaching. That's a lot of people in my audience were interested in that. So can you kind of share how different ways people can do that? Yeah. How, how I would suggest they would do that if they want to leave one-on-one or. Yeah. If they don't want to do one-on-one, they want to basically make their business online and create passive income. Oh, one-on-one in person. They, they don't want to do one-on-one and they want to do group coaching online. Oh, okay, yeah. great. Yeah, so I stopped one-on-one even a year ago, which was really, really great. And I like it because my personality type, it feels good to teach the masses. I love being a teacher. I like being a teacher more than I like being a coach. And there's a big difference actually. So I've had to identify that after doing tons of one-on-one, tons of group courses. So I enjoy it. I think it's also smart because you're not trading time for money necessarily. And the personal trainer model, I call it the personal trainer syndrome where you're trading time for money. And the next thing you know, you just need more one-on-one clients and that's just not sustainable. And a lot of the wellness coaches listening, I do believe that one of the smartest ways to go full-time online is to complement your one-on-one with group coaching. And then eventually you can phase out of all the one-on-one. The one-on-one is lucrative, but is it sustainable? How do you, how do you scale intimacy? That's the question with everything, right? It's the question I'm in right now with my own business is how do you scale intimacy? And I believe that group coaching is similar to a trainer who gets a hundred dollars, let's say in an hour for training one person, but could make 600 by doing a group class training six girls so much smarter and more efficient. And there's, there's a beauty to group coaching. There is this camaraderie. There's the support. I actually love it. My students love it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. So what I would suggest is really shifting that marketing from the one-on-one to the group aspect, but really to assess first, because I don't think group is for everyone. I think some people do better one-on-one and a little bit more of an intimate setting. So I would first have them assess which one is the one where they really, really are going to are going to shine because they're totally different. Handling a bunch of women on a call is a different energy than just one. And I've had to learn how to make sure each person's heard, make sure, okay, Susie's question is answered. And then how is that relevant to Becky and really balancing it out? Exactly. It's, it's such a dance. It's such a different energy. And I think it's something that really has to be in your Dharma and in your doshas. And yeah. Because, you know, the one-on-one you can a lot of people only want one-on-one because mm-hmm. they really want to like go in. Yeah. The type of person who does group is also in there for the tribe. And I feel like the yep. tribe is such a massive element of it. Yeah. So you have to just be really good at like creating and fostering tribe. You have to be great at fostering tribe. You really, really do. And you have to be able to handle a negative situation or, or you have to be able to handle something if shit hits the fan or troubleshooting too, because you have 15 to 20 people on a call and you have to be prepared for anything to happen where... On maybe one-on-one, you already know this woman, you don't know, but just anything, right? A random question you might not know. And then how do you balance that? And watching the time. And it's, it's like a dance. It's an art. After doing it for a while, I really realized that it's an art. (laughs) 
Totally. And can you give some, like, for people who have no idea how this would even work, some, like, kind of models of what an online group coaching could look like, what period of time, how often they meet? Yeah. So how I structure mine and how I suggest a lot of my students structure their group coaching is to have at least one call a week. There needs to be a support aspect. And then there's the educational aspect. So the educational aspect would be the student portal that they log into. I use Kajabi. There's a ton of other systems just like that, that can host your videos or your courses. So that's where my students are consuming the actual content or the weekly videos or the weekly homework, I would say. But then each week they jump onto calls with me right now for my mastermind, because it is more intimate. I have three calls a week with them, but for most group coaching programs to be successful, you can have one a week up to three a week. I actually have co-coaches now who come in to support and all also coach me. And mine is four months long. Most group courses are usually eight to 12 weeks, I would say, dependent upon what you're teaching on. You have to assess how long will it take for me to get someone through this transformation? Will that take three months? Will that take four months? A lot of women underestimate how long it takes. So I would say add another week or two on just to really bring value and over deliver. And then I would break it up into, into weekly lessons. So let's say you're helping women with thyroid health to stay with that example. Okay. What would that look like for the first week? What does she need to know? What would that look like for the second? week and you break it up into lesson plans. And I like to put it on a a big, huge whiteboard in my office, but you could do this in a Word doc. And then you go in and you plug in for each week. What would that look like? And also keep in mind that there are different types of learners. Some people are auditory, some people are visual, some people are kinesthetic. So I make sure that all my students during my mastermind are able to consume the content in different ways. So I have a lot of videos in there for my auditory and my visual learners. And then I'm able to really help them walk through things actually on my calls and say, okay, guys, get out a notepad right now and draw this. And I actually have a whiteboard on a lot of my calls too, where we're physically drawing things out in their marketing. So I I do that because some of my girls are auditory, some are visual and some are kinesthetic and they actually need to physically write it. I feel like it's similar to the dharmas where there's like different types of personalities and learners. Totally. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I do the same thing on my program. I have like me speaking it, but then I also write everything down, like the bullet points and stuff. Cause some people, they need to be reading while they're listening and you have to just kind of like account for everything. Mm -hmm. And what I've noticed is the weekly calls is the game changer. So many people, they want to automatically create an automated program where they're like not involved. But I I mean, I have an automated program and I have a live doshas and dharma and I find a hundred percent completion when there's the live calls, because it's like you, there's a live call. It's like, you can't not know what's going on. Whereas when they have this 12 week, it's at their own time, Mm -hmm. even though they're emailed every week, excuses come up. So I think for everyone who wants to do an online program, keep an element of a live call just for accountability. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what they're buying. That's what they're investing in is they want to talk to you. They actually want to see you. They want to know that you're their coach and they're paying for accountability. They're not just paying for information. I think that's dying a little bit. I think informational courses will die in the next few years. And I think that the only thing that you can still bring that can never be matched by a machine or a book or anything like that is the human connection. And is that coaching? And is that support? Exactly. So you have to create that space for them. The most valuable part of my mastermind this round I'm realizing is the group of women that I brought together. And I wasn't even intending for that to be the biggest value point, but meeting them and realizing how much they're all helping each other. I'm like, this is incredible that I brought together 60 of these women like this. So there is a value in group coaching. There's, there's some, there's a beautiful energy that I 
I love, I guess that's in alignment with more of my personality type, but I have a lot of friends who also do similar work to me and they don't like it. They're like, oh my God, I just want to do one-on-one. I cannot do that because it's a lot to handle, but I think it's a lot to handle one person. So it's, it's <laughs> right. I, I'm, I'm with you. I'd rather talk to a really? group of people than yeah. one-on-one. I well, you like speaking. Yeah. And I stopped doing one-on-one last October and I'm now, you know, people are offering me lots of money to do yeah. one-on-one and I'm like, should I do it? I'm yeah. like, no, stay true to, you know, cause in that hour I could create a piece of, of content that would be more affordable for people yep. and reach so much more people, which is more hour. in alignment with the Dharma. We could be recording a podcast, which right recording now this is going to help thousands of people versus being on that one call. And that's nothing against that woman, but it's, what's your vision? Is it to go into the influencer space? Is it to be more just a coach? Mine is the influencer space. So it's a different goal. It's a different business goal. So you have to assess what is your goal? Is your goal to be a coach? Cool. Stay in the coaching then and trade. That's a little bit of trading time for money and it can still be a very lucrative full-time thing. And if you're happy, stick with it. I have clients who make six figures and love it and are on -on one-on-one calls all day. They want to do that. They don't want to dive into the role of a podcaster, author, influencer, right. hitting the masses. That's not a waste of time for them. So they're two totally different business models, which is actually really interesting. Right. And I feel like when you go into that influencer space, you're spending a lot of time learning technology. Yeah. Like a lot of time doing backend stuff yeah. and like mm-hmm. just figuring out systems. Yeah that's a really big part of it. Whereas one-on-one, it's like you kind of just have your system and you keep you just going. Jump on the call. So maybe if technology is super not your thing, then I would say don't yeah. chase being a social media influencer because it's a constant <laughs> yeah. relearning. Yeah. But also don't let that intimidate you because yeah. if that is your dharma, you can figure it out. I'm not techie at all. The fact that I have a digital brand, I still don't know. I'm not techie. Even learning Zoom, like how do I log in? How do I get people on? And now I've done hundreds of it. I'm like, I'm like, how did I not know Zoom? But uh, that's where you get help. I have a team who helps me. I literally don't touch any of the tech in my business, which is really, really nice. And since bringing that on, I've been able to scale and been able to decrease my anxiety around that. So get help. It doesn't have to be every day in the beginning, but definitely get help with that. Don't let that be the reason that you don't get your voice out there or your message out there because you don't know how to start Zoom. <laughs> totally. Yes. And you'll figure it out. Or a podcast. I, I thought this would be super complicated. I was like, I'm not going to do a show. I don't, I don't know technology. I don't know how to upload it to iTunes. Yeah. That should not be the reason that you don't do something. <laughs> I know. It's like literally just the first thing. If you Google how to start a podcast, there's the step-by-step right there. It's not that hard. Literally. <laughs> yes. I have a course on it, but I tell people just Google it if you want to. Google is your best friend. <laughs> right. So I'd also love to talk about putting out free content. And I feel like a lot of people almost have this block of like, oh, I can't put out my best content out there because then what would people pay yep. me for? Yep. Yep. Oh, that's such a good question. I, that's like on my mind right now. So I love this one. Here's the deal. I believe that you have to pay your dues. As my mother likes to say, pay your dues in life. She, she'll always joke and call me and be like, I already had to do that. Now I get to hang out, right? I'm like, God, paying my dues. So it's the same thing. You know, I had to give out and I'm sure you did and still do. The amount of blog posts, videos, podcasts, the things that I've put out there is actually like nauseating. It's like I've put out so much of my soul to now years and years later, I'm like, oh my God, I can, I can cruise a little bit. I can coast a little bit. But that is kind of the name of the game when you're building trust. That's like expecting someone to marry you without going on a few dates. You have to date them. You have to date your customer. Show them how awesome you are. If you want people to see how awesome of a coach you are, don't talk about, hey, sign up for my coaching. I'm an awesome coach. 
actually coach them, give away the valuable tip. There's always more to give. That's a very scarcity mindset to think, well, I just gave away my four tips to heal your thyroid. I guess I have nothing left. You always have more left because there's troubleshooting. There's more tips. You're learning more. Hopefully you're a student of what you do. There's always more to give. And I have to remind myself that like, give it away on this podcast, give it all away. And a lot of my podcasts are super tangible. They're super takeaway. They're not just big picture. And people write me and say, I cannot believe you gave that away for free. But then I literally have had people say, just so you, you ladies and gentlemen listening know, they will write to me. And I, I would love to know if someone has told you this. They'll say, because you gave away so much, I need to invest in you. How do I work with you? Because they actually see that. It's almost like it's evident what we're doing. I'm like, oh, it works. It does work. I had a woman write me even the other day. I'm obsessed with what you do. You literally give away so much. I can't imagine what it would be like to work with you and to hire you. And I'm like, jackpot right there. I took a screenshot. I showed it to my girls. I'm like, this is how you win by giving it away. Don't lead with fear because how are you going to build that trust with people? Give away your best stuff. That best stuff is what builds that interest. It builds that trust. And then you can always add more. And the two things that you're really selling are the support and the accountability and the feedback and the coaching. So if you're giving it away in a video, well, don't be afraid that you still don't have anything left to give away. There's always something left to give. Exactly. And I don't know what other way to build. There really is no other way. You can't just expect for your following to trust you from one or two posts just by you saying, hey, this is going to be great when they haven't even seen it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you have to like go through so much of your own ability to give because I remember when I first got started, I was like, I'm not going to tell them what the doshas should eat because that's going to be in the book. Like I literally had that mindset of like, well, that's the juice. And it's like, no, I need to be screaming at the top of their lungs. So they actually now want to learn more. And it's like, I always say, it's like, if you go to someone's house and the downstairs of the house is like empty, dirty, but the attic has all the good stuff. They don't know what's in your attic. And it's like, your brain is the same thing. You have all these great ideas in your brain, but you're not expressing it. How will anyone know? Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. There's always more too. I had, I had a business coach a few years ago who told me that she said, if you think that that's all, you know, then that's sad. And that's really really scarce. Of course, you know more. You're a student of life. I'm always learning. I'm trying to literally become the best marketer and learn. I'm obsessed with marketing. I'm trying to learn at all times. How can I teach it in a different way? How can I deliver it in a different way? So if I'm still growing, of course, there's always going to be more information that I could bring to them. And that's an abundant mindset as a business owner versus, well, I know one, one way to help people sell online. Here it is. Oh man, I gave it away. <laughs> right. I mean, it can't be Cause then like you're that. not using your own creativity. You're no. just copying what someone else said, Yeah. which brings me to the last question I want to ask you. Yeah. And I get a lot of people being like, well, someone's already doing what I want to do. Uh-huh. So I get that. But then I also see people copying each other, yep. copying me, copying other influencers I've seen. How do we get past this? <laughs> This is a big it's mess really, going on. It's a on funny on, day on when you internet. notice it. I remember when I got my first email from a student that's like, hey, this girl basically is selling your videos. I'm like, oh God. And I was mad, right? But then I turned it into, oh, that's kind of funny. And obviously it was, it was good. She liked it. But I always go back to, and I, I, I've, it's taken me a while to build this confidence. So when I say this to you, I don't want you to think this is like a cockiness, but like no one's me. Like they're not me. So like, why would I care? Becky is not me. So even if she sells the videos or she mimics me on my podcast, I literally, I've seen girls do almost the same episode topics. I've seen it. It happens all the time as I, as I've grown, but I'm just like, Oh, that's funny. I don't listen to it or check it out. Cause I'm like, it doesn't matter. And that's really sad too. And she needs to know that once she becomes fully her, she's actually going to be even more successful and be happier. So if people are copying you, see it as a compliment. I like to laugh at it a little bit and have some humor with it and realize, 
realize that if you are so damn good at what you do, no one can replace you. That's like people copy Tony Robbins all day long. Doesn't mean he's still not selling out his events. I mean, exactly. <laughs> right? Like there's concepts we're all taking from him, but we're really not him. It's the same thing. It's, it's all cyclical. No one's reinventing the wheel. And that's why at the end of the day, your story, your personality, who you are as a human, that's what makes you unique because even in, let's say, uh, network marketing, a lot of the girls listening may be in network marketing. Well, you guys both have the same product. Some of those girls look the same. You're, on this, you're in the same company. What is going to make me buy from somebody over the other? Their, their personality and their passion and how they deliver information. And if I connect to her, that's it. And a lot of times in the online space, there might be another girl doing the exact same thing as you, trying to do that. But if you have a different twist or if people relate to you a little bit more, then you're who they buy from. Exactly. So copying is just like, I don't know, as a, as a pure creative, I think it's, it's so low vibration and it's sad because there's probably something super valuable that that person could bring to. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And it's really doing them a disservice it is. above all, because you're actually getting that other person's message out there more. <laughs> and you're just withholding yourself from your own inner message, yeah. which would have been so unique and mm. so such a different frequency yeah. that is so needed. So yeah. yeah. And I think it shouldn't stop. I think a lot of people are also afraid of putting their best content out because they feel like they'll be copied. Yeah. And the truth is at some point you will be copied, yeah. but that shouldn't stop you. And yeah. I think the Tony Robbins example, is a really good one because yeah. everyone is copying him, but he's still Tony and he's yeah. growing every day. Yeah. Well, even my event coming, obviously I thought of Tony. I've, I've gone to four of them. He was a huge inspiration for me at, at 19 years old to want to be a light worker and a speaker. And, but it's not like I'm not saying to myself, oh, obviously this is going to be my event. I'm not going to do exactly what he does and unleash the power within. That would be weird. I'm going to say, how can I make this Angie? He was the inspiration, but now let me be the channel of this information and be the vessel and be this, my own voice. Cause I'm a vessel. He's a vessel. You're a vessel. And owning that it's a gift and to just run with it and know that we're not all supposed to be the same. Absolutely. That would be really boring too. <laughs> so boring. So can you tell us a little bit more about your event that's yeah, coming up? I'm really excited. So I have an event in October called Pays to be Brave and it's October 19th through 21st. And essentially what I noticed is there was all of these really masculine driven marketing events where you take notes about funnels and it was really intense. And then there are these super woo-woo events. And I, in a meditation said, why is there not a few female empowerment entrepreneurship event that's fun and light and teaches marketing and teaches sales, but in a really authentic way and brings women together. And we don't have to be chanting every second. We also don't need to be talking about funnels. Where's the beautiful medium? And so of course I was like, oh God, now I have to create it. <laughs> damn, damn it, right? The idea I'm such was a creator planted. that I'm like, man, now that I have the idea. So, um, well, the idea is choose the people who can execute. <sighs> idea, come on. <laughs> Leave <laughs> me alone. Chose, I was chosen. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there in meditation at Unplug and I'm like, man. And so I call my boyfriend. I'm like, I'm going to do it. He's like, what? I'm like, I'm finally going to start doing events. He's like, oh, I thought you wanted to wait another year or so. And um, my whole vision and, and my whole message to women is, start before you're ready. And so I was like, man, who am I to wait? That's my whole message. That's my book. That's everything. And so we've started the process. It's going to be in October and I'm really excited. I'm excited to start that path. And I really would like to get into live events on a frequent on a frequent basis because doing the online stuff is great, but there's something about meeting people in person, meeting your fans and seeing them and hugging them and inspiring them and the energy. It's just so cool and it's so unmatched. And I actually think the online space misses that. And I, I miss that. I miss that feeling. Yes. I want to speak live to people. I know that's my gift. I know that's what I'm here to do. And I want to fully live that out and express that whether I'm ready or not. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're never ready though, right? I mean, I was, I was telling you before this, it's like planning a wedding. It's a big deal, but I'm learning a lot through that process of how do I handle fear? How do I handle my time and my schedule and my patience and <laughs> everything? Totally. I mean, yeah, having a live event, it's like you have a lot on the line, you yeah. know, an online program, no one signs up you wasted your time, but you didn't necessarily put down money. Whereas a yep. live event, you're putting down a lot of money. Yep. Maybe no one's going to show up for the wedding. So it's like, <laughs> don't worry. Sahara's going to show up. Yeah. <laughs> and my mom. I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> you and my mom. But it'll, it'll, it's full trust. And I think also you waited the right amount of time. Like, you know, you have people who will show up. Yeah. I see people who jump into events before curating the community. Oh gosh. Like and, they haven't, don't even they have just, an audience. Yeah. <laughs> and then they just expect that people will be interested in the topic of the event and come, but it actually has very little to do with the topic. Yep. It has everything to do with you. Yep. And my speakers. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Which, yeah, I'm, I'm not done yet with who all of them will be. I'm really trusting in that process too. With my event planner, we were talking about the logistics and okay, what are you going to teach on? And then I, I just got this download that I was like, they're just coming for a great time. They're coming to feel alive. They're coming to be in my energy. They're coming to meet these speakers in person. Like that's what they're traveling across the country for. That is what they're coming for. And as long as I show up in my highest version of me, I'm fine. It's going to be great. I don't need to worry about the details. So I'm really getting out of the how right now. I'm like, how can I be the happiest, most abundant person and, and for the next five months? And I'm going to show up as the best Angie that I can be because that's, that's what they're coming for. So absolutely. I remember when I led my first retreat in India four years ago and I was like, oh, who wouldn't want to go on a fun retreat in India? It's going to be so fun. I I thought in my head, like it'll just sell out instantly. I had a a following already and it was so hard because I realized like going to India is a really big deal for people and the flights and the fear. You could have done it here in LA, but you're like, let's go to India. (laughs) Well, you know, I really wanted to set the vibe and it was so hard. It ended up being a lot of like people that I had known personally. And that's when I realized people have to know you like just following you online is not enough for them to leave their house and go meet like they may yeah. think you're not even a real person you know which is why sometimes like a, an actual yoga teacher will have a way easier time selling a retreat because you see them every day in person ah, and you understand yeah. them versus when you're an online figure and they've never met you before yeah. it's really scary for them to go travel to go meet you yeah yeah well that's why I love video and podcasting yes I would not do it if I was just a blogger I waited till the podcast was built I do tons of live video and video work. So they've seen me and know I'm a real human and you have a voice and a face and all those things. And I do think that is important. That builds that trust. Going back to that trust factor, whether you want to sell a $20 ebook, a $20,000 mastermind or get people to your event, if you're not showing up and taking off the masks and just saying, here I am, then, you know, you can't expect people to show up. You totally. have to show up for them to show up. Yes. And, and yeah, and it really goes down to like, the more you involve your story and your face, like everyone listening right now, go upload a picture of your face on your Instagram. <laughs> like this is the best business advice Go we upload can a picture you. of your face. Just your face. Literally. literally. But literally they just want, cause I see so many beautiful Instagram feeds. I of have course. no idea who's behind them. Yep. I'm like, you food, spent food. Palm this. Tree. I, I was a food blogger. That's how <gasps> oh, I started. Word. I was, it was eat, feel fresh. That was my Instagram name until a little over a year ago. Like the oh first episode gosh. of this podcast, I'm like, go follow me at Eat Feel Fresh. And it was so much about the food because I was afraid that if I put myself in, they would like unfollow me. But actually the opposite happened. The, I mean, just, I'm sure maybe those people who were only there for the food did unfollow me now, but then new people find yeah. you. Yeah. So if yeah. you want to ever do events, group yeah. programs, coaching, just like connecting with humans, like get your own humanness involved. <laughs> I know I do Instagram audits for my students and I'll look at their Instagram and they're like, what's going on? What's wrong? I'm like, I don't see you. I don't know you. I know you on this video right now, but 
I don't know you and you're awesome. Get your butt on video or obviously story now has been incredible. I can't believe the amount of women who are surprised by the lack of engagement, but it's a picture of a dumbbell, a grocery bag of their food and a water bottle and their dog. And I'm like, like that's not what they're coming for. Totally. Totally about you. Well, so I could talk to Take you. Take a picture for, of your face, guys. Hey, pictures of face. No, well, I could talk to you for five hours. We're going to continue this uh, yes. conversation on your podcast, the I'm Angie excited. Lee Show. So, oh. thank you so much for oh. sharing all of your wisdom with us, for inspiring us truly to own our stories, which is such a healing thing, not just for business but for yeah. life. Yeah, yeah, for life, absolutely. Owning who you are and sharing who that is with the world is truly our only responsibility. I think it really is putting everything else aside. If you can show up just as you every day, then you've done your job. So thank you for having me here. I'm super grateful. Absolutely. Namaste. Namaste guys. Mm -mm -mm. How good was that episode? I love talking about entrepreneurship, business, and marketing. So I was so happy to have this opportunity to share with Angie. So be sure to come see us speak live at the Pace to Be Brave Summit this October 20th and 21st. Use code Sahara for a discount on the website. And if you loved this episode, I would love to send you the first half of my unreleased book, Eat Right for Your Mind Body Type, totally free as my gift to you for leaving a review. All you got to do is head over to the iTunes store on your desktop or on your phone. You need an iPad or a Mac or an iPhone to do that. And leave a review, preferably a nice one, and take a screenshot of that review and email it over to me at sahara, S-A-H-A-R-A, at eatfeelfresh.com. And I will send you back the first half, 70 plus pages of my unreleased book, which is not for sale anywhere and different from my book coming out in October, Eat Feel Fresh. I will send it to you for free simply for leaving a beautiful review for Highest Self Podcast, which helps us get amazing guests like Angie Lee on the show. I am so honored to have you here, excited to see you take these marketing skills to action and be sure to tag me when you share this post. If you resonated with this episode, I'd love to know so I can bring her back on, bring on more business guests. That's something I'm really passionate about, my Capricorn ways. So if you loved the stuff, leave that review for me on the iTunes store. And I'm so looking forward to hearing back from you. Namaste.